Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. It's time for Lombardi Memories, a soda that takes you back in time, into January or February, to the greatest one-day spectacle in all of sports. This is the Every Other Tuesday podcast that looks back at each and every one of the 50-plus Super Bowls and tells the story of who won and why. For the fan who needs more than just a box score, this podcast goes drive-by-drive, play-by-play, through the most dramatic games in history. I'm your host, Tommy A. Phillips, and you can visit my website at TommyAPhillips.com where you can find all of my books. Those include Nifty 90s, the stories of an amazing decade in pro football history, which covers this first Super Bowl of the decade of the 90s and the next nine Super Bowls as well. Today we have Super Bowl 25 which was held on January 27, 1991, at Tampa Stadium, the Big Sombrero, between the first-time AFC champion Buffalo Bills and the second-time NFC champion New York Giants. If you're looking for the full story of this 1990s season, pick up my nifty 90s book, and you'll learn more than you ever wanted to know about that year and the rest of the 90s. As always, we have a pop quiz and then homework at the end of the episode. The pop quiz question for today is, what did this Super Bowl not have that every Super Bowl before it did have? It's something that didn't happen in this Super Bowl but it happened in every other Super Bowl before it, all 24 of them. So the answer to that pop quiz question will come near the end of the podcast. The 1990 New York Giants got their season started off as perfect as you could ever want, 10-0. The trouble? The San Francisco 49ers were also 10-0. The two teams were slated to meet in week 13 on Monday Night Football, a game billed as Super Bowl 24 and a half. But both teams lost their game, game immediately before preceding that big matchup, so both teams came in at 10 and 1. When it came time for the game, 
the defenses completely shut down the offenses. But everyone tuned in because it was such a juggernaut matchup. It was the second highest rated Monday night football game on TV of all time. And the 49ers came out on top 7-3. The Giants lost 17-13 to Buffalo two weeks later. But even worse, starting quarterback Phil Sims broke his foot and was out for the season. In stepped backup quarterback Jeff Hostetler, who had even less experience than Nick Foles did when he was asked to take over the Eagles' season a few years ago. After three losses in four weeks, Haas led the Giants to two straight wins and a 13-3 final record. This was the first year that the NFL had gone to a 16-per-conference playoff format. Now only the top two division champions got first-round buys, and the third-best division champion played a wildcard game against the lowest-ranked wildcard team. The Giants were the number two seed, so they got a week of rest before facing the Chicago Bears. In a game full of fourth down conversions, the Giants beat the Bears 31-3 at the Meadowlands to advance to the NFC Championship game in San Francisco. The Giants and 49ers rematch was everything you'd want from a heavyweight fight. Again, the Giants failed to get into the end zone against the two-time defending Super Bowl champions. But after defensive tackle Leonard Marshall knocked 49ers quarterback Joe Montana out of the game, Niners running back Roger Craig fumbled late in the contest. Haas then drove the Giants into field goal range, and kicker Matt Barr made his fifth field goal of the game. There will be no three-peat, Pat Summerall said, as the Giants won 15-13. This Giants defense still had linebacker Lawrence Taylor, as well as many of the other stalwarts from their 1986 championship team. Taylor had 10.5 sacks in 1990. Sims threw for 2,284 yards and 15 touchdowns, but that didn't matter anymore. This was Haas's team. He threw for 614 yards and three touchdowns in his short time under center. Running back Otis Anderson, who entered the league in 1979 with the St. Louis Cardinals, ran for 784 yards and 11 touchdowns. The Giants did not have a player with 40 or more catches. As for the Buffalo Bills, they also finished the regular season 13-3, but with a lot less fanfare than the Giants. They ran an up-tempo, no-huddle offense that befuddled lots of AFC teams' defenses. They put up 44 points on the Miami Dolphins in the divisional playoff game, winning 44-34 in the snow in Buffalo. Then the Bills took on Los Angeles in the AFC Championship game, also in Buffalo. They blew away the Raiders 51-3, punching their ticket to Super Bowl XXV. Quarterback Jim Kelly threw for 2,829 yards 
and 24 touchdowns and a pristine passer rating of 101.2. Running back Thurman Thomas rushed for 1,297 yards and 11 touchdowns while also catching 49 passes for another 532 yards. You, you see how it goes here. Thurman Thomas is an, an important player, that's for sure. And then you also had receiver Andre Reed because he had 71 catches for 945 yards and eight more touchdowns. Now, this Super Bowl took place in the shadow of the Gulf War, which got underway around the time of the conference championship games. This year's Super Bowl was only one week after the conference title games, so the war was raging as the teams played. Tampa Stadium had the tightest security of any other Super Bowl up to that point, as there was great concern about a terrorist attack happening at the Super Bowl. This wasn't Black Sunday, though. The Super Bowl would get off without a hitch. To begin the game, Whitney Houston gave a very memorable national anthem. At halftime, television viewers did not get to see the new kids on the block halftime so instead they got an update on the war in the Persian Gulf the most important thing you need to know about this game is the contrasting styles of play the Bills under the direction of head coach Marv Levy ran no huddle constantly They'd fly around the field with the ball. Meanwhile, the Giants plodded down the field, taking their time with the ball. ABC announcer Dan Deerdorf said it best. The Giants are running out the clock from the first play of the game. And that's exactly what Giants head coach Bill Parcells wanted. The Bills started the game with the ball. Kelly completed a couple of passes to Reed but the Bills came up sort of the first down and had the punt. The Giants took over at their own 31. Running back Dave Meggett had a nice carry after an offside penalty on Buffalo. Running back Maurice Carthon got the first down from there. Hostetler threw his first pass to tight end Howard Cross for a first down at the 45. Meggett then picked up another first down. He got to the 34. And, and then it was Hostetler getting yet another first down. And got him down to the 16, but their um, uh, drive got stalled. And they had to settle for a 28-yard field goal by Barr to go up 3-0. Kelly launched a pass deep downfield, which was tipped by Giants defensive back Perry Williams right to receiver James Lofton. He hauled it in for a 61-yard gain down to the 8. The Bills got stopped after getting as far as the 5. Kicker Scott Norwood made a 23-yard field goal, and the Bills tied the game at 3 apiece. The Giants began churning more clock. Hostetler scrambled for a first down, and receiver Stephen Baker cut a pass for another one. However, this time... The Giants would have to punt. The Bills took over on their own 20 after a touchback. Kelly threw the read for gains of 11 and 20 yards. 
and a dump-off pass to Thomas got the Bills inside the Giants' 30. Next, Reed got another first down on a catch at the 16. Then tight end Keith McKellar hauled in a pass at the 8, and the Giants got called for roughing the passer on the play. Two plays later, running back Don Smith pounded the ball in for a touchdown, and the Bills led 10-3. The teams traded punts going into the second quarter, but the Bills gained some field position after a 14-yard run by Thomas. When they punted, Rick Tootin pinned the Giants down on their own six. After a holding penalty that set the Giants back further, Bill's defensive end Bruce Smith sacked Hostetler for a safety. On the play, Haas tripped over his own running back Anderson's foot, and he landed right in the lap of Smith, and the Bills now had a 12-3 lead. Buffalo did nothing with the ball following the free kick. Kelly threw three incompletions, and that was it. The Giants also went three and out, and the Bills got it back at their own 15. Thomas ran for an 18-yard gain and also caught a pass for a first down. But the Bills had to punt after a third down pass to Reed came up short of the marker. The Giants took the ball over at their own 12. Haas then led the Giants on a classic championship drive. He threw the Mark Bavaro for six yards, and Anderson ran for a first down from there to the 36. Hostetler found receiver Mark Ingram for a first down on the sideline. Megat then burst off a big run down to the 25 of Buffalo for another first down. After the two-minute warning, Haas threw a short pass to Carthon for four yards. Timeout, New York. Hostetler came back out and threw the cross for the first down. After a pair of incompletions, Hostetler found Baker for a 14-yard touchdown on the left side of the end zone, just got his feet in there, and the Giants cut their deficit to 12-10 at halftime. But as good as that drive was, it was nothing compared to the one the Giants had to start the second half. Haas got the first first down of the drive on a short pass to Meggett, which picked up 11 yards. Anderson ran a couple times, and on the second carry, he broke off a 24-yard gain. Carthon ran for four more yards, and then Bavaro got called for holding. So that put Hostetler in a third and 13 situation. He threw to Ingram, who was well sort of the first down marker. But Ingram fought and fought, breaking tackles, shaking them off, pushing forward, until he had that first down at the Bills' 18. Next, another third down conversion. This one on a play-action dump-off the cross for a first down at the 3. Anderson carried it twice from there and he scored a one-yard touchdown to cap off the longest drive in Super Bowl history at the time in both plays and time. 
14 plays and 9.29 of the clock. The Bills got the ball back at their own 40 after a good return by receiver Al Edwards. Thomas took a handoff for 8 yards, then Kelly scrambled for a first down to the Giants 47. From there, a couple of penalties set Buffalo back, and they were forced to punt. Haas started the next drive with a pass to cross for a first down at the Buffalo 48. Several plays later, the Giants faced fourth and two. Parcells had gone for it all season long. Why would he stop now? But Anderson was swarmed by a bunch of bills, not the least of which was Bruce Smith. The Giants turned the ball over on downs. Kelly started his new drive with a pass to Thomas, who got to the 47. Next, he dumped it off the running back, Kenneth Davis, who got the first down at the midfield stripe. Next, Davis caught another pass for 19 yards. On the first play of the fourth quarter, Thomas broke tackles and burst into the open, rushing for a 31-yard touchdown. Norwood's extra point gave the Bills a 19-17 lead. The Giants went again on one of their patented long drives. Hostetler threw the Bavaro for a first down at the 43. Anderson ripped off a 7-yard run, then Carthon got the next first down. Haas went over the middle to Bavaro again, getting another first down at the 27. Next, Ingram caught a pass and thought about laddering to a teammate before wisely holding on to the ball for a first down. Meggett ran for the Giants' next first down, but New York was stopped at the three-yard line after that. Barr came out to try a 21-yard field goal. He made it, and the Giants took a 20-19 lead. The teams exchanged punts, with the Bills picking up just one first down on a pass to Thomas. The Giants also got just one first down on a run by Anderson. A quarterback draw by Hostetler on third down didn't fool anybody, and the Giants were forced to punt. The Bills got the ball back at their own 10 with just over two minutes to play and one timeout in their pocket. On that fateful drive, Kelly began with, with a seven-yard scramble before the two-minute warning. Out of the break, Kelly did the same thing, but he came up short of the first down. On third down, Thomas ripped off a 21-yard run to the 40, but he was tackled inbounds. Clock kept running. Bills down by one, no timeouts, under two minutes here. Kelly threw to Reed for a five-yard gain before having all day to throw the ball. Al Michael said he had all day and all the night, and he couldn't find anyone open, so he ran for a first down at the New York 46. Uh, well, the, I said the Buffalo Bills had no timeouts. No, they did have one, and they used it right here. So now they're out of timeouts, and Kelly completes a pass to McKellar to get to the Giants' 40. Well, that's inbounds with the clock's running, and then the official stop play to make sure it was a catch, 
Referee Jerry Seaman ruled it a catch and play continued, but now there's less than half a minute left on the clock. Thomas took a handoff on the next play, and he got up first down at the 30. Kelly brought the Bills up to the line and spiked it with eight seconds left. It was now all up to Norwood, a 47-yard field goal from the right hash with the Super Bowl on the line. Giants players joined in a prayer circle, not wanting to see what was about to happen. Norwood wasn't that great of a kicker. He made only one field goal from 40 yards out on grass in his entire career. But it, it was all on the line for him, whether the expect, expectations were fair or not. And then came Al Michaels' call. No good. Wide right. The Giants had their second Super Bowl win, 20-19. Hostetler had a Super Bowl victory after coming off the bench late in the season. Anderson had the MVP award. It was revealed that Thurman Thomas was going to be named MVP should Norwood have made that field goal. The Giants held the ball for over 40 minutes, a Super Bowl record. Anderson rushed for 102 yards and a touchdown on his way to the MVP award. If I were to give an MVP award to someone else, I'd give it to Hostetler. He completed 20 of 32 passes for 222 yards and a touchdown with a passer rating of 93.5. Those are very solid numbers in a run-first offense. Haas managed the game well. Sure, Anderson deserved MVP, but Haas deserved a lot of credit too. The least valuable player, I don't even need to say it. You know who it is. The best player on the losing team, though. Uh, that one's easy. That's Thurman Thomas. He rushed just 15 times, yet still picked up 135 yards at a 9 yards per carry clip. He also had that long touchdown run of 31 yards. He was clearly Buffalo's best player. It's just the same that the Bills hadn't gotten the ball to him more often in the first half when they might have been able to put this one away. The best player you don't remember? How about center Bart Oates? He anchored an offensive line that completely dominated the Bills in this game. All those long drives, they started with him and his pals on the O-line. The Giants' entire offensive line deserved the MVP. If not for them, Parcells' game plan would not have worked. But it did work. It was the best game plan I've seen of a winning Super Bowl team up to this point. Now, there's a team that beats this, but we'll get that, uh, that on another date. Parcells and defensive coordinator Bill Belichick devised the perfect scheme to stop the Bills' high-flying no-huddle attack. Their solution? Bleed the clock, pound the rock, smash Buffalo into submission. And that's exactly what they did. The Bills didn't even hold the ball for 20 minutes. 
it was that much of a dominating effort by the Giants' offensive line. Still, the Giants only won by one point, the closest margin in Super Bowl history. They needed to play perfect football just to have the chance at winning, and they did just that. They didn't turn the ball over once, and neither did Buffalo. In fact, it was the first Super Bowl without a turnover by either team. The first time that ever happened. And that's the answer to today's pop quiz question. This Super Bowl did not have a turnover, while everyone before it did. The biggest play of the game was obvious. Again, I don't need to say it. But how about the biggest play you don't remember? Back goes the Ingram, catching that first down on 3rd and 13 on one of New York's two touchdown drives. He fights for every last inch on that play, and if he doesn't, the Giants are relegated to kicking a field goal, and the game is entirely different. Ingram's effort made just enough of a difference for the Giants to take advantage. We must wonder what would have happened had the two-point conversion been in play in this Super Bowl. Would Levy have gone for two when Thomas scored his touchdown to make it 18-17? That would make it 20-17, and then the Giants could have only tied it with their field goal and not taken the lead. That's a question we'll never get an answer for. For homework, there's no other book I recommend more than Super Bowl Monday. From the Persian Gulf to the shores of West Florida, the New York Giants, the Buffalo Bills, and Super Bowl XXV by Adam Lazarus. This book is one of my favorite football books ever. It's that good. It tells the story, the full story of the 1990 season from the Giants and Bills' perspectives. It's really, really good, and you should grab the Kindle version. Just don't buy the hardcover version on Amazon because it's marked at $324.29. Next time, we have the Bills back in the Super Bowl, but going up against a strong Washington team that featured a quarterback playing out of his mind. Will the Bills get redemption for their Super Bowl 25 loss? Or will the Redskins run away with Super Bowl 26? Find out in two weeks right here or in my book Nifty 90s, which you can find at TommyAPhillips.com. Until then, this is Tommy A. Phillips. So long. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Each week, the official Football Learning Academy podcast will take you deep into the history of pro football, 
through interviews with players, coaches, or administrators in the NFL, as well as interviews with Pro Football Hall of Fame selectors, authors, and historians, you'll learn how the game evolved and important moments that shaped the sport into what it is today. And don't miss the Pro Football History Nugget of the Week. Listen to the official Football Learning Academy podcast on the Sports History Network. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.